0: Love Talk Radio. Welcome to VidFriends Podcast, Living Life and Love. I'm your host, Mark Braxton from Raleigh, North Carolina. VidFriends is a national vitiligo support community. For more information about VidFriends, visit us at www.vidfriends.org. Or you can call us at 844-374-3639. Again, that number is... 844-374-3639. All VidFriends podcasts are sponsored by my Vitiligo team. And on today's show, I would like to welcome Eric Peacock. Welcome, Eric. Thanks, Mark. So how are you doing today?
1: I am doing great. Happy Sunday to you.
0: Yes, happy Sunday. and And it's a bright Sunday here in North Carolina. How's the weather there? It's good. I'm in
1: uh Northern California in the San Francisco area and fortunately it's uh good weather here because to the north of us and the south of us there are fires. So uh right. thinking about those people.
0: Absolutely. We've experienced a little bit of the haze and some of the smoke from the fires. All the way on our coast. Yes. So yeah, it's it's crazy, itself. isn't it? Yes. Wow. So That's Eric before we insane. get started. Yes, it, it is it is really crazy. Um, introduce yourself. You just told us where you're from, but you can repeat that. And also let us know what organization or company you represent.
1: You bet. My name is Eric Peacock. Uh, I am from the San Francisco Bay Area, and uh, I am the co-founder of a social network called My Vitiligo Team. And uh, this is actually part of my work. I created a company about 10 years ago called My Health Teams. And what we do is we create social networks for people with chronic conditions, and we've launched social networks in about 41 different chronic conditions, and this one is particularly special to me because I've had vitiligo since the first grade. And uh, we launched my, my vitiligo team about a year and a half ago, and uh, there are now 7,784 people with vitiligo who've joined this social network. Right,
0: and Eric, are we do going to dig into that as well. But let's start with your journey. So you said you developed vitiligo when you were in the first grade, correct? That's right. Yep. And, and yeah, can I you started... share with our yeah? I was going to say, share with our listeners that journey. What was it like, and even how your parents How did your parents feel about it? Yeah. So
1: I uh, I started developing spots on my hands and my knees, and uh, I remember going to our pediatrician. My mom took me to the pediatrician. And he looked at it and he said, oh, "Yeah, that's that's vitiligo. Um, about one in a million people get it, and there's nothing that can be done about it." And right. uh, so this this was a long time ago, um, but but he was wrong, of course. Uh, it's not one in a million; it's about you know one in a hundred, or even maybe more prevalent than that. And right. there are things you can do about it, but uh I guess back in you know nineteen seventy nine that wasn't so wide known right. and, and i uh you know I basically went like you know until ten years ago before I realized actually that wasn't the truth, so I lived several decades thinking I was only like one in a million people had this, and there was nothing that could be done about it and uh and so as a kid i was self-conscious of it um, you know like I would wear knee pads when I played basketball I play that basketball a lot as a kid because just people would look at me you know kids kids look at you funny um, right. and on my face and it started to develop on my face as well as I got older and it um, it doesn't show up on me as much in the winter when I'm not tan right. um, you know I've, I've got you know white skin and basically in the winter it's not a big deal in the summer, like right now, if you look at my picture on my Vitiligo team, you, know, you can see it popping. Right, it's I have it all around my mouth and on my eyelids, and it's just so apparent because I get tan. And so, uh, right, absolutely. You know, I, yeah, I, I kind of it, it. I was, I was more aware of it and self-conscious of it, in you know all the way up through middle school, and then I just started to forget about it and kind of ignore it, and uh, and I found that in general people would follow my cues on how to how to talk about it or treat it which is largely to ignore it for me
0: right and, and you know what's interesting you know it is a different experience for every person um, yeah I what I thought was unique during World Vitiligo Day when we did the poll more people seemed to develop it later like uh, it's I think it was 25 and up was the highest number and yeah that was surprising yeah, I was very surprised. I thought there would be more people develop it when they were younger. So, and I guess we still don't have the proper research to figure out why is that, you know, and that's something we can figure out in the future.
1: Yes. I, you know, I was. it's so interesting you bring that up. I was thinking about the same thing. Most of the people I've come to know, you know, before I launched my vitiligo team were people who've had it for a long time. Um, but I think part of what happened, too, is, you know, perhaps those people were like me and went decades not knowing other people who have it and not thinking there's anything you can do about it. Whereas if you developed it in the last few years, I I recently met a gentleman who uh, has vitiligo widespread all over his face and and body. And he got it as a, in response to some, um, immuno oncology treatment he was getting for a cancer he had. And it it just triggered it widespread across his whole body two years ago. And, um, And, you know, someone like him, boy, he got smart on vitiligo as an adult. Like, he read everything he could. And so I I almost think those people might have been more attracted to that panel on World Vitiligo Day because they're constantly doing research on it, too. So he may have had a bit of a sample bias there.
0: Right, right. And, and you know, it's interesting because you talk about the 70s, you know, developing vitiligo. And then you look at the 80s and look at the 90s. There wasn't a lot of information about Vitiligo. Well, correction, there was information, but we didn't have, I feel like we didn't have access to it. You know, there wasn't quite the internet yet. The 90s, we start to hit the social media internet um, aspect. But I just feel like the information was there, but we still didn't know what to call it.
1: Yeah, totally agree. I totally agree.
0: the odds of you finding somebody else who had it were much, much lower pre internet Absolutely. Um, and, you know, even my college experience, I started college in the 90s, I knew, I actually knew two people. And one gentleman that I tend to forget about, I met him my first day in college, he had vitiligo, and he explained what it was. And, of course, I didn't have it. So I, it was just kind of like, okay, it's a skin condition, and he wore makeup. But he was also yeah. very um, insecure. You know, he was a football player. However, we played football in high school. However, he was very insecure. And I thought, well, you're the biggest guy out here. You know, you should be okay. You're six two, six three, and two hundred something pounds. But with vitiligo, it doesn't matter. None of that matters. Yeah. At all, you know. Um, oh yeah. And it just. And and I think what for him, and I want to say for others, including myself, you do feel like you're in this world alone because you don't see people often.
1: That's right. That's right. I I find what I do when I'm in a new setting, like, you know, for for example, when I was starting this business, I had to go raise money from investors. And, you know, you're sitting, imagine pre-pandemic, you're in the front of this conference room with a table full of, you know, investors and they're looking at you. Like one of the first things I would just say is like, "Hey, I have vitiligo." Now it was it was useful to be able to say that in the in some context of like because my I dedicate my life and my work to helping people with chronic conditions, so I can kind of say like, "Hey, I understand to some extent what this is like because I have one. I have vitiligo," right. and then I'd move on. But, but I still felt like I had to address it because they're all staring at me. <laughs>
0: and they absolutely, didn't know what it was. absolutely. And, and you yeah. know, one of the myths, and, and then we'll talk a little bit about uh, adult Derek uh, Eric with um, vitiligo, but one of the myths is that, Oda oh, only affects the black community. And, and for our listeners out there, that's not true. It shows up in darker skin, but it can affect anyone, you know, and we really try to push that narrative because there's a lot of um, misinformation out there.
1: That is absolutely correct. Um, and it, it really has more to do with the person and that person's feelings about themselves and their background. And, um, you know, there are, I know just as many black people with vitiligo who don't even give it another thought and are totally comfortable with it and comfortable in their skin as I do white people who feel that way and vice versa. You know what I mean? It's like it's, it is right. just not correlated. Um, it is true that it is probably much more visible and somebody with darker skin, but it just doesn't necessarily uh, dictate that person's personality or behavior or beliefs.
0: Absolutely. So let's talk about um, your vitiligo as an adult. Um, did, it, did it ever interfere or just make you or create any challenges, let's put it that way. Did it create any challenges, you know, socially, maybe in your private interactions with family and friends, and even in your professional life?
1: You know, it probably has more than I've acknowledged, um, because part of the way I cope with it is to ignore that and not allow that it could be getting in the way. Um, right. I I mean, I, I do, like, I'll, I'll give you an example. I... Uh, I've done some TV interviews before and, uh, you know, like the makeup artist comes, I was on the Today Show, Today Show about, I don't know, eight years ago or something like that. It was a huge thrill. It was part of what we were doing, (laughs) getting to talk about our social networks. I was just out of my head, excited. and They put me in the makeup chair and the person just looked at me and was like, oh, boy. (laughs) Uh Uh-oh. And, she, and, she, and I was like, you know, I was like, I'm a little nervous anyway, but like, you know, the the person then basically spent like a good chunk of time just covering up every last piece of wow. vitiligo. I mean, I, you know, I was all good with that, but it, you know, it, it wasn't really, it didn't set me back or anything like that, but it, it definitely was like, that's not going to work on TV was kind of the impression they were they were giving me because I wasn't right. there actually to talk about vitiligo. So, um, and I, and like I say, you know, when I was, when you're out there talking to investors saying like, Hey, I want to raise a lot of money so that I can invest in this company and, you know, serve people with chronic conditions. They're looking at you and if they don't know what it is, like you got, you got to get on top of that. So I found I've had to insert it into the conversation as a, as a point that can, you know, kind of make it clear to them how they should treat me, which is just like they treat any other co-founder or, you know, CEO. And also by the way, also, by the way, like I'm comfortable with this, so you should be right. And, and, you know, I, I think there's, there's also times, um, I've had to explain to people that it's not contagious right, throughout right. my life. Um, the same question, you know, kids often wondered that, but like, honestly, I think adults wonder that too. Sometimes so yeah. you have to explain like, yeah. So I feel like I got to put a few things out there, a few facts up that I'll to people if I, particularly if I notice them, you know, looking at it.
0: Right. And, you know, what's interesting, though, children are curious, and once you explain it to them, they're okay, they accept you. But I think it's the adult factor that plays the biggest part where, as an adult, you say, oh, it's not contagious. But sometimes adults, they don't believe us. They just kind of look at us like, are you sure? Yes, it's not contagious, (laughs) you know? I'll be the judge of that. (laughs) Right, absolutely. So it's one of those things where one end of a spectrum, children, they love you, no problem. Oh, I think it's cool. Adults are, Mm -hmm. what's wrong with you? I'm going to look at you. I'm not sure. You know, and it's one of those things where you have access to information, find out, research. So if you're curious, pull out your phone, type it in, white patches on the skin, all the information is there. Yes. Yeah. Now, um, I thought it was interesting when you talked about your TV interview. Um, I, I think my hopes, I guess, for our community is that as we move further into the future where television, films, music videos, all these things where people are in front of the camera, they make it normal where I'm not going to cover that person. I'm not going to cover it up. No, don't cover it up. Let it yeah. shine, you know. Um, and I understand that there are some things in film TV that they have to do with the makeup department, but I say, don't cover up our, our spots, you know, unless that person really says, Hey, if you don't mind, can you cover it? Cause you know, it's different for every person. Yeah, I agree.
1: I think it's up to the person. Totally agree. And, it, but it's, you know, it's unbelievable to me actually uh, from the, Patient standpoint, it's unbelievable to me how many faces with vitiligo I'm now seeing in right. the media, and it's you know it's, it's it's helpful that there are um, groups like Friends and there's Winnie Harlow, and there's you know it, there's there's models now showing up on regular uh, you know mass market catalogs who have vitiligo. It's like all of a sudden it's it's something that is on the radar screen and known and um, I never thought we would see that, so it's kind of, it's hard to see it for sure.
0: Now, one of the things we have to do, we've got to convince our um, toy companies, because we have Mattel, who has the Barbie doll, but we've got to get the can, we've got to get G.I. Joe, we've got to get other brands to say, hey, it's okay to have vitiligo, and we can have a character that represents our community. No, um, how that happens, when it happens, we don't know, but I have a feeling it will happen eventually
1: it's pretty cool. We we've got the, uh, we've got the vitiligo Barbie in our office and, uh, it's a cool reminder, like, wow, how far have we come here? Absolutely. Um, you know, you know, it's like, I, I don't honestly, you know, from my personal standpoint, I don't, I don't know where I stand on. Should the next Barbie doll be his, Hispanic or, or black right. or have vitiligo or what? I mean, there's so much, um, so many different colors and ethnicities to represent that are underrepresented and misunderstood, um, and and of course
0: vitiligo cuts across all of those. Absolutely, absolutely, and, and Mattel's doing a great job um, of having that representation because they do have a lighter skin Barbie now with vitiligo. So they did yeah. the darker skin; they have the lighter skin, and not just vitiligo, but other challenges that people live with, um, they are starting to represent, you know, various disabilities. And I think that is awesome for the company and awesome for the people who look yeah. for items that look like them or represent what they're going through. I think that's very totally. important. Yeah, I um, totally agree. Let's talk a little bit about, um, coping and managing. I know everybody has different coping skills and managing. I know you said one thing you did, you just kind of ignored it. Like you went on with your life. But what are some things you could suggest to the man or woman out there who is struggling with accepting their vitiligo, something they can do to help them feel better?
1: Yeah, you know, at the um, World Vitiligo Day, uh, we had some great speakers. And one of them was Dr. Lisa Schuster. I don't know, have you had Dr. Schuster on your show before? I have not.
0: Let me write that horrific.
1: down. And, yeah, and, and she, she spoke a lot about um, changing the conversation in your head. Uh, and in particular, she, she talked about when you have thoughts that don't make you feel good, right, you, you can start to just recognize those, like say, I'm having that thought um, and, you know, have a process, you know, she kind of had a three step, three step process. We got our whole, her whole interview on my Vitaligo team, um, to talk about how to, how to address it and change that. And, and she's like, look, this involves practice. You actually have to right. do it, um, uh, to start changing your mind and, um, and the way you think. And, and basically it was, you know, step one is, uh, You know, when you have that repeated unwanted thought, you say the word stop quietly in your mind. Stop. I'm not going to think that. I'm not going to. So if the thought is um, people think less of me because of the spots on my face, you say stop. Stop thinking that, Eric. And then you replace the thought. So after you stop, you know, you replace that with a pleasant or better thought. And for me, it was people see how confident, friendly or, you know, comfortable I am with myself, spots and all.
0: And don't right. give
1: my vitiligo a second thought, you know, that's, that's what they're interested in me. I'm more interesting because of this. So I replace that. And when you do that, that changes, you know, first your thought, second your behavior, because you act more confidently or whatever, however way you want to act. And that trains people. And then that changes feelings, too. It changes how, you know, we feel about it. And, and when people see that, they emulate it. And so I thought, you know, gosh, that's largely what I've been doing my whole life. <laughs> it's stopping replacing it with a different thought until i believed it and others did too um right. and that that's one way to deal with it that that certainly worked for me um you know but i've seen uh, you know I, there are, it works for me most of the time sometimes it doesn't sometimes i, I like
0: absolutely yeah you know, i look in the mirror and i'm like whoa
1: i wish that weren't there
0: <laughs> right right it, it is a problem you know and, um and it takes time, you know, and like you said, practice. Practice is important. Because um, mm-hmm. I think a lot of us think once you accept your condition, I'm good. I can tackle the world. I thought that and got set back by someone's reaction to my skin. They didn't say anything. It was their the eyes got big. And when they went to shake my hand, it was the weakest shake ever. And it set me back cause I realized yeah. that person is not comfortable. Um yeah. then I have to re- reset myself and go, you know what, that's their issue, not mine. You know, keep moving forward, you know, and when you have those moments where you feel like, oh, I can't do this, just say yes, you can. Just just get out there and do it. You yeah. Um, yeah, I, hear I you.
1: That's, it. that's the. That can start the slippery slope, right? I mean, it's, you can right, be a
0: right.
1: head full of confidence for a year, and then one thing like that knocks you off a little bit. And you can be like, gosh, I wonder if everybody else feels
0: that way about me. <laughs> And that's true. Absolutely. And so true. Um, so yesterday I had an opportunity to uh, spend time with other members from the vitiligo community in Charlotte. And we had a great time. And when you talk about not focusing on your vitiligo, that's what we did. We went out. We went to a restaurant. We sat outside. We had food. People could see our vitiligo. We did not care. We were there to socialize. Have fun, eat, and and, and leave. You know, and, and I really thought about it. I said, you know, that's what we have to do as a community. We have to make sure we are showing others we are people. That's what we are. Yeah. Our skin looks different, but we're people. And you know, and we yeah. do the same activities as everybody else. Yep. So
1: I, I mean, now, I totally agree. That that's kind of no, how I was where I where I was going with the whole people take their cues from you and how you behave. Absolutely. And absolutely. And, and like, look, I say that as though it's an easy thing to do. I recognize, I mean, I, I, I see all the people on my Vitaligo team talking, like there are a lot of people who aren't close to being that way. And I'm not saying right. it's a solution right. for everybody. I, I, I'm not. So you have to figure out what, what works for you. And I know for many people, like they, they just can't accept that. They, they're not ready to right. say, I'm happy with who I am. I want something different. And, you know, I know oh, by the way, there are a whole lot of people with vitiligo who absolutely have no intention of treating it. And there are a right. whole lot of people with vitiligo who are like, I'm going to treat it and get rid of this and cure it as soon as humanly possible. And, and both are totally okay.
0: So, so let's talk about that. That, that was my next comment uh, or a uh, topic I want to talk about uh, treatment mm-hmm. versus cure. And, and yeah. I know we had a brief conversation about that. Um, we know currently there's on, there are only treatments. There's no cure. Not to say it would never happen, but currently, you know, there's, there are only treatments. Now, you and I talked, and I said, you know, if there was a cure at this stage in my life, I will get it, as long yeah. as it's safe. You know, I, and I think that's the underlining uh response as long as it's safe you know very little side effects long-term side effects yeah yeah now yeah what I, are your I'm, thoughts I'm about kind of the same way
1: right, yeah, i'm doing right, the right. same way it's it's very exciting to see the treatments that are in development right now the jack inhibitors and the il-15 inhibitors and those things And and my general feeling is i'm not really psyched about having to take a drug that keeps the vitiligo away and have so you more or less have to take it every day for the rest of your life, right, until, right. you know, uh, you know, or else it'll come back. That's less interesting to me, but right. like if true, truly, you know, they come up with the il 15s work and the, you know, the, the memory cells are, are adjusted in such a way that the vitiligo doesn't come back and it's safe, you know, like, it, you know, it doesn't, doesn't have some other safe side effects. Right. Yeah. I mean, for me, the big, the big thing I I'll be wanting to just see is like, is there any change in the level of skin cancer for people who, you know, take those drugs down the line? Right, um, I right. don't really expect there to be, but you know, that that'd be the question. If it's safe, yeah, sure. I I would I would do that, um, just if if only to avoid some of the pain in the neck of getting sunburned on the like spot. You know? <laughs>
0: right. Sick <laughs> at <laughs> your head, <hang, laughs> <maybe laughs> Right. And it was funny, though cuz I I was so against uh, a cure at one point. Um you know, I just accepted my condition in 2019. So from like 1995-96 yeah. to now to 2019 I I, I struggled with it. So yeah. I accepted it, but I was so gung-ho with going I wouldn't want a cure. This is so much a big part of my story. I wouldn't want a cure. But then last year I really started thinking. I said, you know, if there's a safe cure and it's going to help somebody else in the future. Yes, I would take it because we have to show them that there's hope, you know. We have to show others yeah. who are truly struggling that, you know, oh, if there's a cure, there's hope that I can be cured as well. So, And, and I'm at a point yeah. now where I say I will take it, you know. Well,
1: I, I'm also always just struck by the comment that Lee Thomas made, you know. Uh, he said, I was born a black child and I want to die a black man. Right. And he de- he doesn't feel he's there right now because right. the has more or less taken over his face. And, and uh, boy, that was powerful when he said that. I, right. I was just... Ashamed. Right.
0: And and the truth is that, you know, as, as people of color, you know, our skin complexion, our skin tone is so much of our identity, you know. And yeah. when you have this condition that starts to take it away, people start to question your identity for... Yeah members in our community that have lost all of their complexion, all of their pigmentation. Now they get questions, you know, well, are you a white skinned man? Are you a white skinned woman? Or are you Latino? Are you white? You know, because people want to know you look different. And the the biggest example, we look at Michael Jackson, people talk so bad about him. Oh, he wants to be white. He's doing this. He's doing that, but not understanding This is something vitiligo vitiligo can do to you. It can remove all your pigmentation, or you can have a procedure done to have it all—all your pigmentation taken away. It's not bleaching, you know. And yeah, I think that is the biggest struggle of self-identity. You know, if I lose all of my complexion, am I no longer black? Right. And I think some of us. By the way,
1: we've we've seen people talking about that who are, you know from China, from the Philippines, from all
0: right.
1: um, all, all skin colors and ethnicities. And they're like, it just feels, you know, suddenly I just look like a white man and, and people don't recognize, you know, my heritage and where I come from. And, and right. sometimes I don't either. Like that's got to be really hard. Yeah.
0: Right. And, and, it, and it makes it challenging because I, I think what happens as an individual, it makes you want to hide from the yeah. world because the world will no longer yeah. understand you. You know, yeah, so, and I think yeah. our mission, those of us who are advocating for vitiligo, is to really put that education out there, you know, to support the others who are going through that challenge, yeah, um, yeah, now, what were your thoughts about, uh oh, before I get to that, um, we talked about the pandemic and the spread of vitiligo, um I know myself. Yeah. I don't know what it it was. Maybe it's the additional stress from the pandemic and everything that was happening around our country, but spots all over my legs. Uh, They were not there before. And I say thousands because when I look, they're tiny, just little tiny vitiligo spots all over. And I'm thinking, what is happening? Because they're not on my arms, not on my torso, just only on my legs.
1: Mm
0: -hmm. Now, Mm -hmm. how has – did the pandemic in any way, the stress from it, um, change any of your spots? Good question. I, I, there's, there's
1: definitely you know, a fair amount of evidence that suggests that stress triggers vitiligo. Um, I, I, I don't know if it was stress for me. Um, early on in the pandemic was fairly stressful. Um, managing a business, going into the pandemic, you have no idea what's going to happen, but uh, I think for me, I too started getting spots uh, on my legs and my arms, smaller spots. And I think for me, it was more exposure to sun, because, uh, you know, once we shut down the office and I didn't have to commute, you know, an hour each way into San Francisco, I started yeah. just going for runs and, and walks and stuff like that and exercising more, which was great um but i had more sun exposure a lot more sun exposure and right. and yeah. all of a sudden all these spots showed up and so i i wasn't expecting that like it, my vitiligo has been pretty stable for i don't know like a couple decades and now it's now i'm seeing more of it so i don't know if that's an aging thing if it's a little bit of the stress <laughs> right. or if it's a little bit right. of the sun or what but i've certainly experienced it and i know hundreds of other people on um, the LIGO team who have said the same thing, like the spots have been coming back, and many of them felt it was stress-triggered.
0: Okay. Yeah, yeah I just don't know. It's so weird. Um, and I have repigmented on one side of my arm, on my left side, but I've gained more spots really? on my right side. And I'm thinking, whatever you're going to do, just just let me know what you're going to do. Are you going to, you know, <laughs> and, will I have just one white arm and one of my natural color arm and my hands are still going to be spotted? I, you know, you just don't know. And, it, and yeah. I think that's the – I'm not even going to say the scary part. I think it's just the strange part of having vitiligo. And, you know, some of us can laugh about it. Some of us cry about it. And I understand, you know, right. it's all in how you see it because um, it can be tough. Um,
1: and, and, like, you know, we don't, we don't know the the fundamental biology behind a lot of this. There's a lot of hypotheses when you talk to the various docs at Global Vitiligo Foundation and such. But, like, I, I started experiencing a new symptom uh, about two years ago. And honestly, I'm not sure it was new. It was just, I started recognizing it more because I started seeing people talking about it more on my vitiligo team. Um, and that's itching,
0: getting itching
1: (laughs) on the skin before the spots start to spread a little bit. I think I might've just ignored it all these years and, and not, not connected the two. But after I started reading about it more, I noticed it more myself. Like, where I'm starting to get the spreading, I I feel itching. Isn't that
0: weird? (laughs) It it
1: is very weird. And you
0: know what I always thought it was? I I live out in the country. I always thought mosquito bites. Oh, man, I got another mosquito bite. So I'm scratching and, you know, and you put stuff on to take away the itch, but it's still itching. And now I notice it is. It is the itch before the spot. Yeah. And and I, I just don't understand it and i think none of us truly understand it but that's just how it is and you get that itch you scratch it you look at it next thing you know the next day there's a spot coming yeah yeah which which by the way could trigger stress in some people right absolutely absolutely um let's talk a little bit about world vitiligo day um your thoughts um i and I'm going to share real quick. I had a blast. I thought it was great. A lot of information. Um, had an opportunity to share some of my thoughts and, and actually talk to some of you during the breakout room. Um, yeah. Although it was virtual, you know? Yeah. Yeah. I loved it, too. It was super
1: fun, and, and I loved your panel. Thank you very much for putting that on and being part of that. Um, Thank you. Yeah, so, you know, World Ego Day – it was a, I don't know how long, how many hours did we go? It was like 10 to two or something like that. So it several like hours like several hours, four and a half. <laughs> yeah. And then, and then people stuck around afterwards and we did breakout sessions. Uh, right. It was pretty remarkable. So, uh, it, it was a combination of inspirational speakers. It was, um, uh, doctor panels and all these wonderful doctors from Global Little Agile Foundation who, who just give their time and are passionate about the Lago um breakout groups, it was terrific. And you know, I'd say I can't wait to get to meet all these people in person next year.
0: Absolutely. At, in
1: Minneapolis. That's gonna be awesome. And Alicia Roops, who's been trying so hard to have it <laughs> hold the life on there, <laughs> finally gonna get a chance to do it. Yeah. But um but the nice thing this is the second year in a row we've done it virtually. And yep. uh you know we We get a producer, um, just do the whole thing, you know, kind of in a reasonably high-tech way, put on a great show. We get great MCs, hosts to to drive the whole thing, people that I go do a marvelous job. And we reach more people. The fact is when you don't have to get on a plane and go somewhere, you reach a lot more people. So I think next year, even though it's in person, we got to make sure we're also live streaming everything and and bringing in – the people outside, because we get hundreds of people to register for this. I center, agree. Which is great. Yeah.
0: And, and what will be wonderful about it, when you really think about it, um, we will reach people globally. You know, in person, we're yes. reaching people locally, maybe a few people from out of the country. But when you do virtual, they're from all over the world. And that's right. that's the important part about, you know, community. We're not just vitiligo in the United States. We're right. around the world. So... You know, I I really, I truly enjoyed it, you know, and I look forward to next year meeting people that I've never met before in person.
1: That's right. Absolutely. And for those of your listeners who maybe weren't able to attend, we have the whole video recording of the entire conference. You can go watch it. You can skip around and jump to different pieces. It's on, uh, if you go to com forward slash resources, Again, team.com forward slash resources,
0: you will see,
1: uh, you know, kind of a picture that says Virtual World Vitiligo Day, watch now. And you just click on that and you can watch the whole thing. For me, I can tell you actually what were the most watched parts of it, um, the doctor panel, doctor yes. Q&A, basically. Um, Dr. John Harris from UMass Medical Center who is an amazing researcher in vitiligo led a kind of a uh, lightning round of questions (laughs) with terrific docs and they covered a lot of material. And I I think what we keep finding every time we do a live event is there is massive pent up demand in the vitiligo community to be able to ask questions to experts who treat and research vitiligo and we just need to do more of that. So, in October, we're going to do a follow-up uh, live Q and A with Dr. Pandya, Dr. Amit Pandya, um, okay, who he spoke about. He spoke about clinical trials that were happening, uh, but we're going to do a follow-up with him. Um, you know, we did one a few months ago with um, Dr. Rich Huggins, who was just terrific. And right. you know, that was kind of in the that was in the middle of the whole "Hey, should I get vaccinated or not?" thing. And you know, he right. he gave a really you know kind of understanding, open-minded. Uh, conversation about how to think about COVID and vitiligo how to think about the vaccine and vitiligo um, you know he, he he believes like all of the doctors in the world vitiligo day that absolutely we should be getting vaccinated um, right. and that there's no no reason to think that you know you'd be at any risk in fact it's it's a great thing for you you're at more risk if you don't get vaccinated um, so right. absolutely it's just good good to hear that from somebody who understands vitiligo
0: Right. And, and, and he did share, um, it was a, a meeting I sat on, and we kind of talked about that as well. Um, or maybe it was something that was shared. I'm, I'm trying to think. I've participated in so many meetings. Um, but somebody asked a question about, you know, well, if I get vaccinated, will it affect my vitiligo? But you have so much more to think about beyond vitiligo when we're dealing with the pandemic, you know, um, you yeah. I understand some of the fears that come along with it, with with anything that we're going to inject into our bodies. You know, there's always a fear, and I think for our community, we fear even more because it's that risk of well, well, the stress of it or will this part of it create more vitiligo spots. You know, and and I get it. Now I do understand that. You know. Yeah. Um,
1: I I would I personally am more concerned about if I get COVID. Um, what impact would that have on my vitiligo? I, I actually think right. that would be pretty rough. Because if you think about vitiligo first, let me caveat this and say, I majored in economics as a college student. I am <laughs> not a doctor. <laughs> right, I am right. not a scientist. Um, but if you think about vitiligo, vitiligo uh, is our immune system overreacting. It right. is attacking our melanocytes when it shouldn't be. So, Uh, you know, we're not immune suppressed where we've got an overactive immune system. When you get COVID, you've got to use every ounce of your immune system to, to fight off um, the COVID vaccine. Right. Right. And uh, that can trigger all sorts of other stuff. So, and just, you know, look, COVID is, is life or death. The LIGO is not. Absolutely.
0: And that's the thing. Um, to our listeners that do not have vitiligo, you know, yeah, vitiligo for us is not life or death physically, but for some people it can lead to other conditions. It can lead to severe depression that may lead to other things, you know, like but vitiligo itself does not lead to it. You know, it's, it's the underlining things that happen when you are trying to cope and manage your vitiligo. Um, and that, I think that's, that's why right. we, that, yeah, you know, I, I think that's why we put a big focus on coping yeah. and managing. You know.
1: Yeah, yeah, and that's that's important for two reasons. One is so people understand us, like, hey, vitiligo is something you can live with. Don't assume anything more about vitiligo. But at the same time is vitiligo because it can impact people in different ways, particularly from a mental health state and depression and that sort of thing can right. be very serious. Right. Um, and, and it is also true that people who have vitiligo have, um, higher rates of other, um, autoimmune conditions and, you know, higher rates of things like, uh, thyroid conditions, like Graves right. or Hashimoto's and
0: stuff like that. Yeah. Absolutely. So let's, let's talk about, um, my vitiligo team. So yeah. what was the inspiration behind wanting to create this, the, the social media group strictly full of people with vitiligo? Yeah. So this is,
1: this is kind of a funny story because, you know, I created a company 10 years ago and it, the purpose of the company, my health teams is the name of our company is a yes. mission driven business. And we, We want to make it easy for people who get diagnosed with a chronic condition to find the right people, support, and information they need to better manage their condition. Now, I was inspired early on to to create this um, because I had a nephew who had uh, um, Asperger's and had gone through kind of a long journey to get diagnosed with that, and it was hard on my brother and his wife, and, and that kind of sparked an idea you know, gosh, it shouldn't be that hard. There's lots of parents out there who are going through this. You shouldn't feel like you're reinventing the wheel. And, right. and then, you know, we, we all have, you know, friends who have somehow had their families touched by somebody with a chronic condition. And you know, whether it was the breast cancer or multiple sclerosis or rheumatoid arthritis or lupus or whatever it is, you know, it, it's out there. And, and we should have social networks dedicated just for them. You're not alone. You don't have to reinvent right. the wheel. So that was what was behind starting this company. We did and we ran it for you know basically seven and a half years before I realized that that stuff my pediatrician told me that that my vitiligo team sorry that vitiligo was one in a million people was wrong. It's, right. it's actually you know more like one in a hundred. And and oh by the way, he also said there's nothing you could do about it. He was wrong, and I didn't know. Right. That. Like it was. I started to get um, some outreach. Uh, in fact, there was there was a, a, a medical student named Zoe working with uh, the Global Vitiligo Foundation who reached out to uh, me one day and said, "Hey, you know, would you ever think about doing something in vitiligo?" And and I kind of laughed. I'm like, "Actually," I replied. I'm like, "Actually, I have vitiligo, believe it or not." And you know, I just assumed there's not enough people for a social network and there's no right. real treatment. <laughs> and then she's like, "You might want to check out some." <laughs> We're hey, hey, out, the out there. <laughs> so yeah, that's when I started looking at it, and I was like, "Goodness!" So then I, um, I connected with uh, the folks at Vidfriends. So with uh, Alicia and Valerie, and and through Dr. Huggins, uh, he right. invited me to a call, and, and I said, "Hey guys, you know, here, here, here's what I do. Um, by the way, I have a bit of Lego." I, I'm thinking about maybe I should have launched one of these in Vitiligo. What do you think? And and just everybody was so wonderful. Valerie was like, Eric, this is your calling. You will do this. This is absolutely you should do this. Alicia was all for it, and Dr. Rich was for it, and so we're like, well, all right, let's do this. And so we did, and. Uh, and now, now, like you know, we've had seven. I just checked, we have seven thousand seven hundred eighty-four people who have joined the wow. social network.
0: It's just amazing. That is awesome. Yeah. and it's globally. Yeah. Right? Yes.
1: That's global. Yeah, yeah, and um, and you can find. So the purpose again of my vitiligo team is it is a safe, monitored, password-protected social network where you can find. It's just for people, you know, diagnosed with vitiligo, or for parents of kids with it. And you join you it's password protected so Google doesn't come crawl your profile or anything like that. Google right, just can't right. see it and it's just a place to chat with other people with vitiligo or learn like l- lo- we've noticed there's a lot of people with vitiligo who maybe don't aren't ready to be super social um for example, some of the people who are just self conscious about how they look, even with other people with vitiligo they they're nervous right. about getting joining a live. Discussion. So what they're looking for is information. Those info seekers, we've got info for you. right? So we have a whole resources section on the social network where, you know, I'll, I'll do interviews like this. I'll do interviews with all the docs from the Global Vitaligo Foundation. And we, we just put the whole video up there and you can see it. And we have the quick note versions to them. Or we interview people and, you know, write articles, interview docs and write articles. It's mostly medically approved type of stuff,
0: right? Any right. medical
1: information we write, we get medically approved by the global vitiligo foundation doctors. Um, and then we, we put some other stuff up there too, which is more just like, okay, we just did this poll with everybody on the vitiligo team. Here's what they say about, you know, what they want a treatment to do, um, or how likely they are to take it or how they're feeling about COVID or whatever. So uh, it's pretty cool, and, and um, it's free, and one of the questions we always get is, all right, so how are you paying for this? And that's a really good question. You should always ask, <laughs> how is it that this website right. is paying, you know, for this? And, and we have a simple True North litmus test that, w- that we used since, you know, day one, and 10 years later, it's still the same litmus test. We'll partner with a company, like a pharmaceutical company, um, if, number one, we can be transparent with our members, and number two, it empowers our members. So okay. on my vitiligo team, for example, we partnered with Insight Pharmaceuticals, and we, we tell our members, hey, we partnered with Insight Pharmaceuticals. They're paying us. And, um, and what they paid us to do was to Write a uh, uh, educational resource center about what are clinical trials and what are clinical trials that they're putting on in vitiligo, right. and that's really important in the vitiligo community. There's a whole lot of myths and mistrust about <sighs> clinical trials for very very, very historical right. reasons, and and so you know the thing is though it's not like the pharma company that writes this. We write it, and and we get it medically approved and you know approved, and and put it out there. And then we let people know, hey, if you're interested in trials, here's how you can, you know, see if you qualify for that, you know, jack inhibitor trial that's going on right now right. that you and I were just talking about. So that that's how it's going, and, it, and it's going terrifically. I feel so good to be good,
0: good.
1: serving a community I'm part of.
0: And, and that is awesome. And, and we do appreciate it for those of us that participate in my vitiligo team, and we're trying to encourage others to come on board, you know, Um, and you do get up your updates in your email. So at least you don't have to, you know, download anything. You get your email. However, um, what do you, what do you see the future of my vitiligo team going? Do you have a a future vision, maybe new partnerships or anything in particular that you see? Um,
1: yeah, uh, a couple things. Um, you know, we, we, uh, have found again th- that we need to do more for the info seekers. Th- those are the people who don't necessarily want to be social, but they, they still want to be kept up to date. So it's almost right. like here's, you know, here's the steady feed of news research from, you know, everybody doing research in vitiligo, like make sure the stuff in the global vitiligo is getting out there, make sure any pharmaceutical company stuff is happening. Just people know about it. If, if they want to see that they can. Um, I'm hopeful that, um, You know, in the next year, we're going to see some of these brand-new biologic drugs that really can, you know, make the vitiligo go away on your face. Um, They're going to get approved by the FDA. And I think we're going to be in a unique situation to be the objective, you know, kind of place where – hundreds or thousands of people with vitiligo can say, all right, I'm taking it. Here's the before, here's the after. Here's, here's my real world experience with it. And we can, we can share that back. We don't have a dog in the fight, right? Like we're not the pharma company. We don't really care what happens to the sales of the drug. It's, it's, it's more about like what's the real experience. So I, think, I think that's going to be really interesting.
0: That is awesome. And one thing our listeners may not know, but I can go ahead and say now that this podcast and all different podcasts are actually sponsored by my vitiligo team. So we do appreciate that partnership there. So we thank you. Um, yeah, you bet. I mean, but that, yeah. that's
1: also important. Like we're part right. of a larger ecosystem. It, it's never been our point of view that like, oh, there can be only one place you have to come to the my vitiligo team. That's just nonsense. Like we are in 2021 here, folks. It's, it's, uh, uh, we don't do what BitFriends does. I mean, BitFriends has these local chapters where you can go meet in person with other folks right there and wherever
0: you're in, right.
1: whether you're in Charlotte or Minneapolis or wherever, or Boston. I mean, that's huge. In real life, <laughs> in-person experiences right. uh, can never be substituted for and are really important. Um, so, yeah, we, we tend to just be part of the ecosystem and try to, Lift up as many different voices and organizations who are doing something beneficial
0: for that condition as we can. And, and that's awesome. And one of the things we always try to excuse me encourage members in our community. Let's also share the the great stories. You know, I know a lot of times we do get into yes. sharing. You know, how our vitiligo you know affects us, but also let's talk about what we're doing in the community. You know, let's share those spotlights of how we reached 40 people here, maybe um, interacted with two people over here, or I did a video that reached all these people here, or I have this book that I created, you know, all these different things that we are really doing in our community. I think we have to continue to support each other that way. And once again, to show those who do not have vitiligo, and also to show those that, that do, we're doing great things in our community. And let's to do yeah. great things.
1: Yeah, I love when I see that. Like it, when people start, you know, you, you know, you're starting to to make it when you when you see folks, maybe like you, posting on my Vitiligo team pictures from the Charlotte event for Bit Friends. Because then, if if we go, you know, we're spending money advertising my Vitiligo team. If somebody from Charlotte joins. they learn about the Vit Friends group there through right. that post. It's, it's kind of like how we, some of us learn, you know, about events or news from, you know, Facebook or Instagram or whatever. Like, that's what we're doing, but just for the vitiligo community. And it's all about, like, everybody getting to kind of share what they're doing.
0: And, and, yeah, and that's very, very, very important. We have to continue to do that and share those positive, uplifting stories. Because I think they bring hope to people. Yeah. And, and we don't know, we often don't know whose life we're changing or touching because we don't always hear about it. We don't always see it. But it could be that one quote right. that you put up there that changes someone, you know. Um, it does. So, Eric. And, and I'll,
1: let me just add to that.
0: It's, yes. it's not always about inspiration.
1: Sometimes it's about uh, equity in healthcare. So I may not live in a place that's near a uh, uh, center of excellence in vitiligo. Um, right, right. And I just may not hear about or have the same resources or, or be given the same options from my dermatologist about my vitiligo. But if I read about all these other people who are getting X, Y, and Z, you know, that empowers me as a patient to go back into my derm and say, like, hey, I know this is happening in these other places. Could you help me figure out how I could get access to that? Um, and that's a game changer. When, when we see stuff like that happening, I'll, I'll give you an example. In, in a totally different disease, in breast cancer, um, sometimes women who get breast cancer very early, say in their 20s, it's a tragedy when that happens, but it happens. And they'll find a great surgeon who will say, like, no problem. We can take that out. We'll hit you with chemotherapy. You'll be back in action. But there, that, that breast cancer surgeon is not always thinking about the fact that this woman might want to have kids um, afterwards. And if you have chemotherapy, um, that may not be an option unless you think ahead of time to, say, freeze your eggs. Um, and so you'll see women connecting with other women you know, in that age group, and those women will say, like, hey, oh, by the way, have you, has your doctor talked to you about your fertility planning? And they'll go, oh, my God, no. Good thing I'm thinking about that now before I go ahead with all this, right? So health care equity happens when we communicate with each other and share our experiences.
0: Right, absolutely. So before we wrap things up, I'd always like to give my guests an opportunity to share something positive with our listeners so this is your time to share whatever you want with our listeners. Just give them something to go home to. That's awesome. Thank you. Well,
1: Hey, Mark, thanks again for having me here and for doing this podcast, um, and doing so many of you do. It's, it's just so wonderful to listen to this and what you're doing with that friends is just fantastic. So thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Um, so I would say two things. Um, first <coughs> mm-hmm. off, uh, you are not alone if you had Bill LIGO. Or you have a child with vitiligo, A, things are going to be fine um, because there's hundreds of thousands of us out there who are living great, full lives. Um, and, and, B, you have options. Uh, you can treat it, or, and there's lots of effective treatments. Um, or you don't have to treat it, and you can be perfectly happy and deal with it we recognize that it's a journey and there are a lot of different coping mechanisms and ways of, ways of dealing with it but it uh they they work and they're possible and i think the key thing is is you're not alone um people like mark people like you know the seven thousand people on my vitiligo team are living really inspiring impressive lives um with their vitiligo, vitiligo and and you can too and so I guess my feeling is this is just not a journey you have to go through alone and you should connect with others, whether it's on my vitiligo team or VitFriends, or whatever other source you can to connect with other people, vitiligo, and kind of share your experiences. Um, I just encourage you to do it because you're not alone. You don't have to reinvent the wheel and, and it's a wonderful community.
0: Absolutely. Well, Eric we're going to bring things to a close. I truly, truly, truly enjoyed our conversation. I look forward to talking to you more and collaborating. Likewise. Me too, Mark. I, I can't wait to meet in person someday. Yes, hopefully uh, next year. I'll be at World of Illigo Day. I know there will be so many people out there, but we, we will make sure we cross paths. That will
1: be a definite. That sounds good. All right. So Thank to- you, Mark.
0: You're welcome, sir. Thank you very much, and you have a wonderful day. You too. All right, thank you. To our listeners, thank you for listening in. This has been Living Life and Love. I'm your host, Mark Braxton from Raleigh, North Carolina. And once again, VidFriend Podcasts are uh, sponsored by My Vitiligo Team. Today's podcast featured Eric Peacock, um, and he's a uh, co-founder of My Vitiligo Team. So thank you. Have a wonderful Sunday. Take care. Remember to tell someone that you love them, but most of all, look in the mirror and tell yourself, I love you. Take care.